I laughed at uh, Amy's snap. That was adorable. <laughs> um, yeah, her husband is a cutie pie. <laughs> uh, it was storming out, so I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to listen. It's too scary. So precious. No, I, I feel that. Uh, the rain was nice. I, I was able to fall asleep pretty easy last mm-hmm. night because of the rain. But um, I'm glad I'm glad he listens, and I gl- I'm glad he enjoys this stuff. That was really funny. And he mentioned the bubonic plague episode, and I went back and listened to the whole thing. That was pretty fun. Fun to listen to again. Mm-hmm. What episode was that? Episode 30? Yeah, episode 30 with Vera. Delicious beer. So, very good episode. Thanks, Bill, for listening. Yeah, Bill. You're good, dude. Welcome <laughs> to episode 42 of Beer and Fear. My name is Zach. My name is Paige. This week, we will be talking about um, hellhounds. Um. Um, <laughs> not bloodhounds. I thought it was bloodhounds for a while because of our beer that we'll talk about. <laughs> you snapped me and you're like, bloodhounds. I was like... The All right. dog? 42 is going to be on bloodhounds. We're going to talk about dog breeds. <laughs> this is now the podcast about dog breeds. Next week, Shih Tzus. We got Chihuahuas for episode 50. It's We've lined up. Got it planned. <laughs> yeah, it's on Hellhounds. I wanted to do an episode on Cerberus, mm. but I think an entire episode episode on Cerberus would be a little... Not, not enough to talk about. Mm-hmm. Hellhounds kind of opens it up, and uh, you'll have a lot to say about Hellhounds, I hope. But before we get into it... And tell me about how your week was since we met last. You gave me a little recap about today, but... I interviewed for a new job. I decided to leave the job that I'm currently at. Nice. Um, I came to the realization that it wasn't for me. I have nothing against the company. Sure. Uh, we left on good terms. I felt very appreciated at this job. It was just not something I could see myself doing for long term, and I was looking for something long term. Yeah. So I found a doggy daycare and boarding facility that I will be working at. I so excited. just got my background check cleared, so I will be starting that. I hope next week I have to get back to them. I'm just... Yeah. I'll send them a text. Um, uh, but I'm very excited to be working with animals again. It's something that has been missing from my life. I can't imagine not working with them anymore. Yeah. I That's- feel... That's a lot of fun. And I get to visit you and see dogs again. Yes. And cats. Oh, that's amazing. And you said they're just like out. The cats are just out. Incredible. Yeah. Well, you'll be, I, you'll definitely be a lot happier. I'm, I'm happy for I'll you. I'll be very close to you. So. Yeah. Job's a lot get, closer. get lunch or something. Exactly. So that's, that's amazing. Incredible. Very excited about that. Very I've happy. been packing for my move. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's happening soon. Uh, I got a lot of packing done yesterday. I, I put a lot of stuff away. Um, I'm throwing away some old clothes and stuff. Like, I'm looking at the clothes I have. Because, like, for me, I, I hold on to clothes for a while. Yeah. Like, I tell myself, oh, that's got a tear in it. I'll repair it. I never get around to patching <laughs> it. Like, I never get around to doing it. So yeah. I'm, like, going through and I'm just like, oh, this, I can throw this away. I can donate this. Pretty sure I have a pair of pants that needs a button sewn on it, onto it for, like, the past year now. <laughs> I have a sewing kit. I, I would always to go to my it. mom's because she's got one. I don't have one here, but I, next time bring it over. I can, I can do that. 
but yeah, no, I feel that. I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, I'm still listening. Oh, I never, um, I didn't get to do that COVID study. They ended up. Um, you never got to do it? No, I ended up not getting up, uh, to do it because the, the lady like scheduled me for like July 1st and then she called me like two days before and was like, hey, or not two days before. She called me like, like a couple of days after and she was like, hey, um, the study's closed by then. I accidentally scheduled you. So I'm like, okay, never mind then. So now I got to go get vaccinated. Oh, yeah. Go do that. Yeah, I need to get that done. Uh, I have a few things jot down. Nothing, nothing too crazy. I, I went to Top Golf yesterday with my dad for Father's Day. We celebrated yesterday. Did you give him his gift? Yeah, I gave him the um, the Etsy yeah ball marker and um, divot tool, and then the brush. Yeah, so he liked that. He um, he beat me the last two rounds. I saw your score. I beat him the first round. Yeah, I was doing pretty well first round, but he 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 caught up. He definitely did a lot better than me the, the second time and third time. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the, the trip was a little crazy because he originally wanted to go to the Schaumburg one. Mm-hmm. And apparently you can see on Top Golf's website the estimated weight, which I didn't know you can do that, the weight that it'll be. And to, uh, Schaumburg Top Golf said two hours. So we were going to go there, check in, get our name on the list, and then go out and grab a bite to eat. He gets there. They tell him the wait's four hours. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I got nothing going on the rest of the day. And he instead sends me this address to an indoor golf range. So we drive there and we spend about 10 minutes just driving around trying to find the entrance to this place. It was really confusing. Mm-hmm. It was like in a business complex. So it was the multi-unit building. So we were trying to find this place. We finally get there. We go in and it's one of the places where you have like a screen or a projector and it's like virtual reality golf, essentially. You're on a course and... And we, we walk in, and there's no one there. There's no one standing around. We hit the call button. No one comes out. Mm-hmm. We hear people in the back. My dad goes back there and shouts for someone. No one comes out. We're there for maybe 10 minutes. No one <laughs> ever came out. And I'm thinking, there's stuff all over, just out in the open. Someone could walk in and just take all this stuff. There's Amazon packages, unopened Amazon packages on their table. It's like... Who's watching this business? And we called him beforehand. There was someone there because they had to give us directions on how to get there. What if he got murdered? Yeah, maybe maybe they were dead just playing golf uh, in the back room. I don't know. So we finally said, screw it, and left. And I looked at the wait time for the Naperville Top Golf, and it said 15 minutes. So we drove 50 minutes from Schaumburg to Naperville. Uh, and I got there first and instant service. We got our bay. We got sat down. And we got some food. And it was fun. It was a little crazy. Sounds like a good time. It was a good time. And the other thing I had jotted down, do you ever uh, you ever have that ability where you can wake yourself up from dreams? Are you able to do that? Wake yourself up? Consciously know I'm waking myself up from a dream. Like I know I'm in a dream and I'm just like, I want to wake up. Yes. Um, I've had that, I feel like once or twice. Okay. You know the, you know how to do it? Because I don't, I don't know where I heard this. I don't know if it was from a friend or one of my parents, but they said if you ever want to wake up from a dream and you know you're dreaming, and it's sort of just become like a response to trauma in my dreams now, uh, you look up, eyes look straight up to the ceiling. That forces your eyelids open. Mm-hmm. So if you have your eyes closed and you start to look up with your eyes, your eyelids start to um, open up a little bit, and that'll help you wake up. It doesn't always work. I tried it a few times where it hasn't worked, but... Like eight, eight out of ten times, it'll usually work. So whenever I have a scary dream or a dream that I want to get out of, 
I'll do that when I can think about it. Have you ever had one of those dreams where you're going to the bathroom, but you're not? Yeah. Yeah, those are weird. <laughs> those are really weird. So weird to dream about going to the bathroom. I know. And it's just your subconscious being like, you need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And you're, you have that relief feeling in the dream where it's like, oh, I'm God, actually to... going to the bathroom. And it's like, w- oh, no. And then you wake up and you got to pee. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the reason I brought that up is because I had a dream where I was with Kasoda and she was chilling next to me. Um, we were just, I was petting her, just chilling out. And then I turn to my left and I see Kasoda. It's like, wait a second. I turn back. Kasoda. She's also right there. And I'm looking back and forth. There's two Kasodas. Which one's the imposter? Wait a second. I'm dreaming. <laughs> that's, how it, that's how it went. Oh my God. As I saw two versions of my cat. And I was like, there's no way this could happen in real life. And then I knew I was dreaming. What a and weird I, dream. And I woke up. I thought it was pretty funny. But yeah, tip. If you ever have a shitty dream you want to get out of, just look straight up with your eyeballs and it'll usually work. In your dream. Yes. Let's get into the beer. Again, episodes four, episode 42 is not on Bloodhounds. However, our beer is called Bloodline. Mm-hmm. Which is why I was thinking it was Bloodhounds. Ah, so is there a connection? uh, No. (laughs) Oh, to Hellhounds? Yeah. To uh, Bloodline? Um, Yes, there is a connection. Okay. There is a connection. It's not the name of the beer. Okay. It's the brewery. But, I'll leave you on a cliffhanger because I actually have something I need to talk about before that. uh, That I included in my notes intentionally. So, there was a tornado on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Really bad storm. That uh, kind of swept through Kane County, DuPage County, northern parts of Will County. Cook in Chicago got just a lot of rain. But it destroyed, ended up destroying tons of homes and businesses in the Naperville and Woodridge area. I don't know how many homes, like at least over 100, 150. It did a lot of damage. This tornado actually touched down and did some damage. And I had the news on at work and I saw that a brewery was actually demolished because of this tornado that was in Woodridge. It's called Skeleton Key Brewery. I wanted to talk about them. They are, their business is at 8102 Lamont Road, Suite 300 in Woodridge. So the owners of the tap room, they said the brewery was their COVID project. Mm -hmm. And uh, they made this brewery, you know, when everyone was on lockdown, had nothing to do. And they watched in horror in real time as their security cameras went black during the storm so they were watching it on their phones or on their computers watching the cameras just eventually stop and that's how, that's when they knew that this shit was bad mm-hmm. so they obviously they're very upset that they lost their brewery this thing that they put so much hard work time and money into uh so there is a gofundme that uh you can help them uh hopefully get back on track um, help provide for them during this time. Obviously, a lot of people were impacted by this. Uh, I just wanted to talk about this brewery since it's uh, related. And we have a bit.ly link that we created. bit.ly slash BAF skeleton key. bit.ly bit.ly slash BAF skeleton key. Or just look up skeleton key brewery GoFundMe. Uh, I donated 20 bucks to help them reach their goal. Their original goal was, I think, $100,000 when I visited. It, they've now raised it to 150000 because they've surpassed their goal of $100,000. I'm looking at the GoFundMe right now. They have raised $121,289 out of their $150,000 goal. They have one 
1,300 donors that uh, helped out, helped them out on this GoFundMe. So a lot of breweries are helping out. I think Goose Island donated a lot of breweries. Local breweries in the Illinois area have been helping them. Hopefully they can get back on track. I read somewhere that their original building is supposed to be condemned, mm-hmm. but hopefully they can make uh, Skeleton Key Brewery version two mm. sometime in the near future. So our hearts go out to them. Help them with their GoFundMe, bit.ly slash BAF Skeleton Key. So the... Beer, Bloodline, for Hellhounds, is by Flying Dog Brewery. Mm. There you okay. go. Okay. There's, there's your tie-in. There you go. I feel like after a while, we're not going to be able to do tie-ins, because there's just beer that we still need to try, but I feel like there's a lot of beer out there that... We're limited yeah, have, by trying to do tie-ins. So, for the time being, we're, we're killing is, it. This is why I picked the beer first now. Yeah. No, that's good. You, you keep doing that. But it's Bloodline by Flying Dog Brewery. So you you talked about Flying Dog on episode 13. You picked out Tropical Bitch, mm-hmm. not Flying Bitch. No, not Flying Bitch. For, for our Werewolves episode. So I'll say a little bit about them. 4607 Wedgwood Boulevard in Frederick, Maryland. That's MD. 21703 is their address. You can read their story. Read all about here. You can hear Paige talk about their story on episode 13. So instead of reading their story, I'm going to... God, was it really that long ago that we did werewolves? Yeah, 13 werewolves. Uh, Here's a few FAQs from their website instead. Can I visit slash tour slash bring my mariachi band to the brewery? Flying Dog Brewery is going to focus on its core brewing operations as well as supporting the brewery's bar and restaurant partners as they rebuild their businesses and has no plans to reopen the tasting room at this time. So slap on those sweatpants or leggings and experience Flying Dog from your couch, porch, kitchen table, or a dark closet and use our beer locator to find a retail store near you with our beer finder. So that's a no to mariachi bands. No to mariachi bands. Tentatively. Tentatively, no. How can I find your beer near me? At the stroke of midnight, look east. The sounds of the night will cease, the wind will shift, and then it will all become clear. Or you can enter your zip code in our beer finder. Nice. How can I tell if my beer is fresh to death? What? We like our beer fresh, and know you do too. So we're committed to making your beer drinking, your beer drinking simple and delicious. Each of our beers has an enjoy by date. It's that easy. Want to know the date your bottled bundle of joy came into this world? Flip your far side calendar back 170 days. With the exception of our vintage beers, all of our beers are considered fresh up to 170 days after being packaged. Hmm. Uh, Looking on their website, they also have a legacy beers section where Cujo, their cold brew coffee porter, is listed, among others. That made me very sad to see that Cujo, because I've seen Cujo before, that cold brew coffee porter caught my eye. But it's a legacy beer, no longer available. I also saw their three nail ale on that page with an ABV of six point six six percent. ABV for a three That's, nail ale. <laughs> oh my god. Six point six six percent. They labeled it as a Trappist ale. Have you ever heard of that? A Trappist I can't ale? Say I, have. I had to look trapeze that up. Trapeze artists? So I thought Beer made by trapeze artists. Oh. And they do it as they're like on the trapeze. Yeah. Shake it. <laughs> Shake it. <laughs> <laughs> Trappist beer is brewed by Trappist monks. Oh. There are 13 monasteries, five in Belgium, two in the Netherlands, and one in each Austria, Italy, England, France, Spain, and the U.S. that currently produced, produce Trappist beer as recognized by the International Trappist Association. 
Interesting. So it's a bunch of these monks that are making Sounds beer. Sounds fancy. It does sound fancy. I want to drink some monk beer. We can uh, we can get some in the U.S. And uh, I think there's a couple breweries, Trappist breweries in the U.S. You can follow Flying Dog on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's at Flying Dog on Facebook and Twitter and at Flying Dog Brewery on Instagram. Bloodline defies genre. Hops for the hopheads, fruit for the rest. Sweet blood orange puree is added towards the end of fermentation to balance the citrusy sharpness of the hops and deliver a hard-charging ABV to keep the good times rolling. Flying Dog labels this as a blood orange ale. Okay. Beer Advocate calls it, calls it an American IPA. When you sent me that picture of your blood orange beer that you had with your dad, um, I was like, oh, that's fitting because the beer that I picked out is... Oh, funny. Is a blood orange ale. How so, funny. So we've had a few American IPAs. We've had The Man, Junior Astronaut Juice, and West Coast Wizard have all been American the IPAs. The Man was so good. It was very good. I may have said this before, but craftbeer.com says this about American IPAs. Characterized by floral, fruity, citrus-like, piney, or resinous American variety hop character, the IPA beer style is all about hop flavor, aroma, and bitterness. This has been the most entered category at the Great American Beer Festival for more than a decade and is the top-selling craft beer style in supermarkets and liquor stores across the U.S. It's, according to craftbeer.com, good to pair with spicy tuna rolls, blue cheeses, and persimmon rice pudding. I want sushi. I was going to buy some spicy, spicy tuna rolls so we could have some <gasps> with the beer. Why didn't you? I thought the blood orange might throw it off a little bit. Next time we have just like a classic good old-fashioned American IPA, I'll, I'll, I'll bring the, the sushi in. Uh, one popular American IPA is Bell's Too Hearted. It's for a fun fact. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Bell's Too Hearted. I don't think I've... You don't think you've had it? No. I don't think I've even heard of it. It's really? Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty popular beer at most... I'd say most breweries you can get bells. Hmm. But uh, Benny says the availability is summer seasonal, but Flying Dog sells it year-round. It's available in bottles, kegs, nitro, and cans. Mm -hmm. Benny's also says the ABV is 7%, but Flying Dog says it's 8 What I think uh, happened is that they may have raised the ABV and added it to their normal lineup. So mm. they, when they made it from seasonal to normal, they gotcha. upped the ABV. That makes sense. The ABV is 40, unknown SRM. It's brewed with rye and caramel malts, Northern Brewer, Citra, and Galaxy hops. We've had Citra and Galaxy, but not Northern Brewer, I don't think. Mm -hmm. American Ale Yeast and Blood Orange Peel and Puree. Beer Advocate gives Bloodline a score of 88. Very good. Ranked 2010 out of American IPAs and 13,063 overall. 147 reviews, 940 ratings. With an average rating of 3.93. Yeah, 3.93 average. That's pretty good. Beer Advocate gives the same description of the beer that I said earlier from their website, but it adds this sentence This is the beer you buy to convert the guy who, quote, doesn't really like IPAs. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so some reviews seem pretty critical, with drinkers expressing disappointment and expectations not being met. Others seem to really enjoy this beer. I'm sure it tastes better. On tap or nitro, like most beers, get in a can or a bottle. It might not taste as good as getting it actual, mm. actually at a, at a bar. I'm not going to read a review this time. That's mainly your thing, but I'll go grab the beer. Okay. Oh my god, it's a bottle! Got a bottle. I don't get enough of those. Oh, the dog looks so sad on it. Like he's seen some shit. Did somebody's like three year old niece draw this? They, their, their arts, remember, uh, it's up there, you can still see it. Their art's very obscure and strange. Yeah, the dog looks sad. It's a Dalmatian. 
I guess, or if you want to call it that. It's got the chin of, like, a grown man. What brings us together as brethren of good beer is a bitterness that runs through our veins. What would typically make goosebumps rise and send shivers up spines merely fuels our intense love of the craft. Cast away your fears and embrace the fire and enjoy and join our flock. I've never heard someone... I mean, they're... It's a dog. Their flock. This is an IPA, so we're going to be drinking out of our... Spiegelau. Spiegelau IPA glasses. Pick your bottle opener. Always Scots. Always Scots. Look at that. It was so carbonated. That's a lot like of foam. Thick foam. A lot of foam. Very fizzy. <laughs> and the color is gorgeous. I've never heard someone, I've never heard you use the word gorgeous before. It, it almost... Uh, it's see, a description. <laughs> my, my whiskey back there on the bar. Oh, yeah. It almost has that color. It's like, a, it's not really, it's a dark amber, it just but it's... It very pleasant. Yeah. I didn't smell the bottle. Orange. Ooh. I, I I'm like, feeling that. I like, I like yeah. tropical bitch, so I'm not I'm not too concerned yeah. about not liking this. I like how the the hop aroma kind of intermingles with the orange orangeness of it. That's a it's good. It's very pleasant. Also, I combo. think the like you know how the foam always smells a little bit different. Yeah, the foam is very orange. <laughs> I'm just worried if it's gonna shatter. No. <laughs> I think that's sound, just the glass. Why does it sound plasticky? That is not what I was expecting. I agree. I was expecting, you know, you say blood orange. I'm thinking this is going to be citrusy. This is going to be... Like tart. Tart. Yeah. This is creamy. Yeah. This tastes... It gives me, like... It does not have the taste of, like, a cream soda, but it has the consistency of a cream soda. It has the consistency of uh, Vera, I feel like. Like a cream ale. Yeah, It's exactly. very different than what I was expecting. It's very smooth, yeah. Not a whole lot of orange. Not really. The where'd smell it, is mostly where, orange. Where'd it go? It's hiding. Honestly, the smell is where the orange is at. I think you have to inhale as you take a drink. <laughs> nope, didn't work. I mean, maybe like a hint in the back end. For them say, I mean, they did say they added it at the end. So... <laughs> Yeah, the blood orange puree. Yeah, I... Uh, I think that would be a little more noticeable if they're going to call it a blood orange ale. Because mm-hmm. that's not very noticeable. No. I'm um, instead getting hops. Mm-hmm. Citra hops. Very strong on the hops. All too familiar with citra. We know how those it's taste It's a bit are. more bitter yeah. than some of the other IPAs we've had. Because you know it's always different. So this one's a little more bitter in the end. Oh my God, but it's so good though. I like um, it. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it so good, but. Mm. It's just, it's refreshing for me. It's drinkable. Yeah. It's a good beer. It's just, yeah, I was definitely expecting tart orange. Yeah, I was going into this thinking like, oh, this is going to be more fruity. Yeah. It's really just in the smell. Now, see, in the reviews that I was reading on Beer Advocate's website, a lot of people had similar experiences. And some people thought it was the age of the bottle, maybe how long it had been in the bottle. Maybe those some of those flavors got muted. The date on our bottle says August, so it's still good for technically another month. Maybe if we had a bottle that was a little younger, it uh, would have had more of those flavors. Or definitely, if you have it on tap, it um, I'm sure it would have been more blood orangey. But I can see why people would be disappointed. 
because it's not what they were expecting. I, I saw a lot of that not meeting expectations, but I like it. Solid APA. Well brewed, just not what I was expecting. Yeah. But we can go into that at the end. Hellhounds, not bloodhounds. Correct. Is a supernatural dog in folklore. There are a wide variety of ominous or hellish supernatural dogs that occur in mythology around the world. Features that have been attributed to hellhounds include mangled black fur, glowing red eyes, super strength, and speed, as well as ghostly or phantom characteristics, along with a foul odor. Foul odor. Mm -hmm. Is that always necessary? I mean, if you've watched Supernatural, everyone's always like, why does it smell? It smells like sulfur. This is pins of hell. Okay. That's my Dean impersonation. Was that good? (laughs) I don't have the sour apple green eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm not Jensen Eccles. What a babe. Certain European legends state that if someone stares into a hellhound's eyes three times or more, that person will surely die. In cultures that associate the afterlife with fire, hellhounds may have fire-based abilities and appearances. They're often designed to guard the entrances to the world of the dead, such as graveyards and burial grounds, or undertake other duties related to the afterlife or the supernatural, such as hunting lost souls or guarding a supernatural treasure. In European legends, seeing a hellhound or hearing it howl may be an omen or even a cause of death. They are said to be the protectors of the supernatural, guarding the secrecy of supernatural creatures or beings from the world. Mm. However, there are some uh, supernatural dogs, in there, such as the Welsh. I don't even know how to pronounce this. <laughs> like, I'm literally going to have to like look up how to pronounce it. Probably because it's Welsh. Are we bringing out the Google Translate robot lady again? Yes. Because I feel like she's going to pronounce it wrong, and I think that would be funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're playing play that, play that in the mic. <laughs> I don't even... I'm not even... Okay. Whatever. They're regarded as non-threatening. They're benign. Okay. Um, it's still a sign of imminent death, though, to see one. Okay. Can't get away from that. Three times. Um, While considered a bad omen, the hellhound often has uh, helped many as well. The supernatural dog has said to was said to warn people of danger and protect them when they needed it. The dog is often very loyal to those who call upon one and is said to be very watchful. While the creatures are often known as evil, they are not as evil as one would suggest when we went over the Welsh dog. Mm-hmm. The one I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Seeing a hellhound or hearing one howl may be an omen or even a cause of death. How uh, hellhounds are called the bearers of death because they were supposedly created by ancient demons to serve as heralds of death. According to legend, seeing one leads to a person's death. How many times am I going to say death? Sometimes it is said to be once. Other times it requires three sightings for the curse to take effect and kill the victim. These factors make the hellhound a feared symbol or of bad things that are about to happen. They often get assigned to guard the entrances to the world of the dead, such as graveyards and uh, graveyards and burial grounds. Um, they not only guards our guards for cemeteries, but they are also often seen as helper dogs for those who are about to pass. But they also can show up to said uh, to said loved ones and sort of inform them of a loved one's passing. Oh, like the Grim Reaper, but in dog form. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What would that be? The Grim Pupper. <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> the Grim Pupper. <laughs> Hellhounds have been said to be as black as coal and smell of burning brimstone. They tend to leave behind a burned area wherever they go. Their eyes are is a deep, bright, and almost glowing red, um, sometimes yellow. 
uh, razor sharp teeth, and then, like I said, super strength or speed. And sometimes even the ability to talk. Ooh. I would want a talking one if I got to keep one. Uh, while most pictures show the hellhound as being evil and vicious, this is simply not the case. Hellhounds do not have to be evil looking or scary looking. They can look like any large dog only with pure black fur. Okay. So it could be the dog you have, listener, in listener. your home right now. Right now. Dun, dun. Um, hellhounds are, oh my god, I keep getting text messages, are also famous for appearing in Northern European mythology and folklore as part of the wild hunt. These hounds are given several different names in local folklore, but they display typical hellhound characteristics. The myth is common across Great Britain, and many names are given to the apparitions. Uh, Madi Du, Madi Modi Du of the Isle of Man, and Gwilgi, Gwilgi of Wales. Other bl- ghostly black dogs exist in legend. The legend. In legend. <laughs> legend. <laughs> uh, the earliest mention of these myths are in both Walter Maps, uh, something Carillium. Car- <laughs> Walter Maps something. Something Carillium. There's an Appalachian hellhound described as a very large black dog-like creature that, in some regions, has only three toes. It is said to hunt the back mountain roads of Kentucky and West Virginia. It is likely this legend stems from early Scots, earlier Scots, Irish, and Welsh folklore through some claim to see it still, though some still claim to see it today. Okay. There's Bargist, um, is the name given in the north of England, especially in York, uh, Yorkshire, to a legendary monstrous black dog with huge teeth and claws. Though in other cases, the name can refer to a ghost or a household elf. One is said to frequent a frequent a remote gorge named Trollers Gill, or Trollers Gill. There's also a story of Barguest entering the city of York occasionally, where according to legend, it preys on lone travelers in the city's narrow snickleways. 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 A famous Barguest was said to live near Darlington, which was said to take the form of a headless man who would vanish in flames. A headless lady, a white cat, a dog, rabbit, and black dog. Another was said to live in an uncanny-looking dale between Darlington and Houghton. It's also British. Yeah, a lot of UK stuff. They're probably, if we have any UK listeners, they're probably laughing at us at oh, 100%. our pronunciations. I mean, literally... Any pronunciation we try is just sad. Mm. Like we need to, we need to up our game on that. I'm just saying. Um, black Shuck or Old Shuck is the name given to a ghostly black dog said to roam the Norfolk, Essex, and Suffolk coastline of England. For centuries, locals have told tales of a large black dog with malevolent flaming eyes. According to reports, the beast varies in size and stature from that of a large dog to the size of a horse. Sometimes Black Shuck has appeared headless, and at other times he appears to float on a carpet of mist. According to folklore, the specter often haunts graveyards, side roads, crossroads, and dark forests. Carpet of mist. Mm. There are legends of Black Shuck roaming the Anglian countryside since before Vikings. His name may derive from the Old English word uh, shuka, meaning demon, or possibly from the local dialect word shucky or shuki, meaning shaggy or hairy. Okay. It is said that his appearance bodes ill to the beholder, although not always. More often than not, stories tell of Black Shuck terrifying his victims, but leaving them alone to continue living normal lives. In some cases, it has supposedly happened before close relatives to the observer 
uh, happen before close relatives to the observer die or become ill. In other tales, the dog is considered relatively benign and said to accompany women on their way home in the role of protector rather than a ill omen. Oh, nice. One of the most notable reports of Black Shuck is of his appearance at the churches of... Uh, they're in Suffolk. They're just weird names. <laughs> On 4th of August, 1577, Black Shuck is said to have burst in through the church doors. He ran up the nave past a large congregation, killing a man and a boy and causing the church tower to collapse through the roof. As the dog departed, he left scorch marks on the north door that remain to this day. Two men were touched by the beast and fell down dead. That remain to this day? To this day. Huh. So there's, there's definitely some truth in there. There's the Dip. Dip is an evil black hairy dog, an emissary of the devil who sucks people's blood. Well, vampire dog. He has a lame leg. Oh. So sad. It should give him one of those, um, like, the dogs that have the wheels in the back. Oh, the little the <laughs> wheelchairs for puppies. Precious. The Yeth Hound, also called the Yell Hound, is a black dog found in... Uh, Devon folklore, Devon, Devon. According to Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable, the Yeth Hound is a headless dog said to be the spirit of an unbaptized child, which rambles through the woods at night making wailing noises. It sounds like um, a hound that just like agrees with whatever a mobster like proposes, except when you have a lisp. Except when you have a lisp. Yeah, a Yeth Hound. A Yeth. Uh... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. You silly. Mm-hmm. The church grim is a figure from English and Scandinavian folklore. They are said to be the attendant of spirits uh, or the attendant spirits of churches overseeing the welfare of their particular church. English church grims are said to enjoy loudly ringing the bells and they may appear as black dogs or as small misshapen dark-skinned people. Ugh. The Swedish uh, Kirkagrim are said. Kirkagrim are said to be the spirits of animals sacrificed by early uh, early Christians at the building of a new church. In parts of Europe, including Britain and Scandinavia, a completely black dog would be buried alive on the north side of the grounds of a newly built church, creating a guardian spirit, or the church grim, to protect the church from the devil. So they just every time they build a new church, they just need a black dog corpse. Yes. To bury. Okay. Seems. Like they just kill. Dogs. I hope they don't. Yeah, like intentionally kill a dog. Oh, they 100% I hope they just did. It's like, all right, we gotta wait on the. No, it's a sacrifice. The Smiths family uh, for their black dog to die before we can finish this church. No, they 100% killed him. Damn it! That's very upsetting. Um, the black dog of Bowley is a monstrous hound that supposedly haunts the area around Bally Bay and Jersey Channel Islands. It is huge and black with eyes the size of saucers. And in some versions of the legends, a chain which drags behind it, the sound of which is often the first warning victims have of its presence. After ambushing its victim, it circles them at great speed, terrifying them, although never doing physical harm. It appear- its appearance is said to herald a storm. It has been theorized that the legend of the black dog was promoted or even invented by smugglers, perhaps with the aid of a costume in order to keep people away from their activities in the bay. A similarly described apparition has been accredited to the Salt Lake Valley of Utah State. It is said to resemble the dog of ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics with the pointed ears and thin bodies, but consumed by age-old demonic rot. Its chain uh, 
portends of its arrival and after circling its prey for a short amount of time, it chooses whether or not that soul is worth tagging for for demonic possession. Those tagged are said to suffer from paranormally bad luck when attempting righteous endeavors and great success at evil, tempting them to commit foul deeds throughout life, leaving their soul for the devil once they die. Also, if you remember, there are hellhounds and ghostbusters. Are there? Yeah, Zool and Vins. Man, it's been a hot minute since I saw that movie. It's played a couple times at work, but uh, I never... I remember the last time I saw the whole movie. It's been years. Mm. There's also a hellhound in Hellboy, the movie. And the way they are... Yeah. Pers- uh, the way they are personified is very creepy they are like they don't have hair yeah they're, they're skinless just, yeah, yeah. there's flesh and muscle mm-hmm. it's very creepy that's it though all right not a lot to go on there's a lot more uh, hellhounds that i than i thought there would quite would a bit be. interesting i'm going to talk about um the most most prolific. well-known most prolific oh that reminds me i gotta pull another, another video up ba 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 I find myself doing that a lot. Just just like Phil. And it's always the same melody. Every time you do it so often. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to talk about arguably the most notable hellhound, Cerberus. Ready? Cerberus, or Kerberos, Kerberos, however you say that, in uh, Greek... Etruscan and Roman mythology is a bronze three-headed dog. The bronze was uh, interesting. I didn't know it was bronze. Kerberos. It guards the entrance of the underworld to prevent those who entered from ever escaping. Although the depiction of Cerberus often differs and varies, they often have the same body and the same number of heads. The most notable difference is the number of its heads in some versions. Most sources describe or depict three heads. Others show it with two or even just one. A smaller number of sources show a variable number, sometimes as many as 50 or even 100. 50 or 100 heads. That seems like an excessive amount of heads. That that makes me think of the Hydra in Greek mythology, where you chop his head off and two more would take its place. I didn't know that was the thing that happened. Did you ever watch Hercules? No. Or read anything about Greek mythology? Nope. What are you doing in high school? Nope. All of this is just brand new to me. Some accounts depict Cerberus as being part snake, having many heads. I don't know how I feel about that. Cerberus was given various other traits according to Euripides. Cerberus not only had three heads, but three bodies. What? According to Virgil, he had multiple backs. Who? Virgil. Virgil, you, you know Virgil, Virgil, the expert on Cerberus. Yeah, you know Virgil. Cerberus ate raw flesh, had eyes which flashed fire, a three-tongued mouth, and acute hearing. Okay, so did each head have three tongues? Depend- <laughs> or was it a one-headed dog with three tongues? <laughs> no, I think each head, I think each head had its own tongue. But was- Three-tongued mouth. One mouth? Yeah, so maybe each mouth had three tongues. That's unnecessary. There's a couple... This, this is an artist's rendition of Cerberus. It's a little small, but if you look closely, you can see there's like a mouth inside of each mouth. Oh, there is. Like so, the alien. Yeah. And then uh, 
This is another artist depiction of Cerberus. Ooh. Yeah, it looks pretty bad. That's not three tongues. And nope. also has the tail of a snake. Yep. See the snake in, incorporated well, it's got in a there. S- a snake body is a tail. Right. I should be specific. Snake tail. Which makes me think of the chimera. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They have the the tail is a snake head. The body is a lion. Mm-hmm. It's got like the wings and talons of a griffin. By the way, these photos will be available on our website if you look at this episode's link. My favorite Cerberus is 100% the Cerberus from Hercules. I love that design. I uh, I don't recall. I don't oh, know if I'm that came up. I'm pulling up a picture right now. Oh, okay. Like a Doberman. Cerberus is the offspring to Echidna, a hybrid half-woman, half-serpent. Not half-echidna? And not half-echidney, no. And Typhon, a gigantic monster even the Greek gods feared. So I'll show you some photos. Here's um, here's Echidna. I love Echidnas. They have weird penises, though. Oh, that's the animal Echidna. Sorry. This is uh, the Greek Echidna. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why did you have a picture of an Echidna? <laughs> Uh, this is a second, more sexually appealing uh, version of the I actually think of Medusa. Yeah, a little bit. It's a serpent, uh, humanoid being. And then this is Typhon. He's uh, just a big old fucking badass. Makes me think of um, Lovecraftian horror. Yeah, uh, snake and wings and kind of like a Cthulhu face. Here's another one. Just looks like a giant demon looks god. looks like a, got a beard. Yeah. He seems very emaciated. So somehow... Echidna, this serpent Greek thing, and Typhon this made this dog. serpent Greek thing. Yeah, made a dog with no serpent-like qualities in the popular depiction. Interesting. I don't know. Other than the possible <laughs> serpent tail, which we're not sure on. Right. It is the, Cerberus is the sibling of um, Larnaean Hydra, Orthrus, Orthrus, a two-headed hellhound, and the Chimera. Oh, see? Chimera. A three-headed monster. Yes, uh, what <laughs> goat, lion, and serpent, right? Yeah, goat, lion, and serpent. Mm-hmm. I guess that's three-headed. In most works, the three heads each respectively see and represent the past, the present, and the future, while other sources suggest the heads represent birth, young, and old age. The heads have also been represented as the three origins of human life, nature, cause, and accident. This is the chimera from God of War, so it's got a goat head. Yeah. Or the three positions of the sun, rising, midday, and setting. Ah. Each of the heads is said to have an appetite only for live meat, and thus allow only the spirits of the dead to freely enter the underworld, but allow none to leave. Cerberus was always employed by uh, as Hades' loyal watchdog and guarded the gates that granted access and exit to the underworld. Cerberus was often said to freely move between the land of the living and the underworld, it would often collect souls that refused to go to the underworld, and there was also a legend of Cerberus leaving the underworld and running amok. Just causing dog mischief. I choose to run amok every day I wake up. It is said that the only one who could get close enough to stop Cerberus is Heracles. 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 Or Hercules. Two very different. One's Greek and the oh, other one's Heracles. That's Heracles. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. One's Greek, the other one's Roman. Hmm. Uh, He was said to have stabbed Cerberus in the shoulder and drive him with such force back to Hades. Hades did not wish to lose his companion, so he was said to have chained each head of Cerberus. It's like a stick shift. (laughs) (laughs) Stick him in the shoulder and just drive him back to Hades. Grinding gears. (laughs) Uh, There's 
uh, the story of uh, Orpheus and Eurydice, which I'll mention briefly. Uh, Orpheus was a talented musician who played the lyre. He's also the character from The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it's Morpheus. Oh, sorry. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, You're right. It is Morpheus. Yeah, he was a talented musician who played the lyre. He did a ton of house gigs and open mics. <laughs> and he was said to be able to tame lions and tigers with his music. Uh, I'm going to need some proof of that. <laughs> That's like what you say to a girl at the bar that you're trying to pick up. He's like, listen. I just got home from an open mic. Tame this lion. Look at this. Check out this liar. You ever hear this shit? You ever hear this song before? Check out my mixtape. <laughs> it's fire. Yeah. Eurydice was the wife of Orpheus. One day she was pursued by a man through a field. And while running barefoot was bit by a viper and died. Okay. After learning of his wife's demise, Orpheus sent out to the underworld in an attempt to win her back. Being still alive, he had no coin to pay uh, Charon, ferryman of the river Styx. Oh, yeah. So he charmed his way across with music. He did the same to pass Cerberus and even brought tears to the eyes of Hades and his wife Persephone, who allowed him to take his wife back to the land of the living. That's when you want to roll a bard for your D&D class. Hell yeah. Um... I like, I like how back then you could lo- lose a loved one and just be like, fuck, I'm going to hell and getting this person back. Like, <laughs> just casual-like. Just like, yeah. Also, the lengths that you go to for a loved one at that right. point, I'll go to hell and back for you. Exactly. Like, it was what literal. Is that? That's literal. literal. Yep. Zach, I'd go to hell and back for you. Uh-huh. That means a lot. Yeah, man. I just think it's funny that you could you could do that back then. Casually. You just walk into hell, <laughs> knock on the door, Yo, offer Hades like a freaking stipend, and, and then go back. home. <laughs> my wife, yeah, you you know her. Yeah, here's some she, corn. She she needs to head back. Here's some here's some wheat, Hades. Here's some wheat. And a goat's head. Give me my wife back. I know she died. <laughs> Got bit by a viper. There's she's the, running around barefoot. The twelfth labor of uh Heracles. Heracles was assigned the task of capturing Cerberus by King Eurystheus. What are these names? Very Greek. Upon entering the underworld, Heracles made his way to Hades. He asked Hades for permission to take Cerberus to the surface to show Eurystheus. Hades gave Heracles permission, but on the condition that Heracles uses no weapons to overpower the hound. Hmm. Heracles was able to successfully take on Cerberus by squeezing him around the head until he submitted and slung the beast over his back through a cavern entrance to the underworld. There's just a casual cavern just, that you can walk through to I, get to hell I, I'm just, <laughs> out in the open. How big is this dog? See, we'll get to that. Once seeing the, uh, the beast, Eurystheus jumped into a uh, pithos. You know what that is? Nope. It's like an, uh, one of those old jars. You know, like when you're, you're playing like Link a, and he hits an all urn, the jars? Like a yeah. giant vase. Yeah, with the sword. breaks everything. Exactly. It's an old Greek vase. A pithos. He jumped into one of those out of fright and told Heracles to take it back in return for releasing him from his other labor. Shouldn't have asked me to do it. So there's a photo I'm going to show you. This is confusing because of the story. Because uh, the story in section that I just talked about talks about Heracles bringing Cerberus to the world of the living for, uh, from the underworld on several occasions. But this painting is called Hercules and Cerberus. Hmm. Um, this is the Doesn't painting. pan out. Notice the size difference. It just looks like a terrier. It's the size of it's a normal like a, dog like with three heads. Collie. Right. So there are some accounts that this dog with three heads was about the size of a collie. Not like the other pictures I was showing you earlier. Where he's a great where, beast. Yeah, overtaking the underworld. So that's why he was able to sling him over, over his shoulder. Okay. 
he's the size of a fucking border collie. That's about where my uh, history ends, but I'm going to talk a little bit, uh, tie in with popular culture. So a version of Cerberus is depicted in popular culture in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yes, Fluffy. Fluffy is a gigantic, monstrous three-headed dog who was once cared for by Rubius Hagrid. He was generally vicious, fierce, and extremely strong. Hagrid originally purchased Fluffy from a Greek chappy at the Leaky Cauldron and loaned Fluffy to Albus Dumbledore to aid in guarding the Philosopher's Stone during the 91 through 92 school year. Mm -hmm. In the book, Harry plays an enchanted flute that Hagrid had given him for Christmas after the enchanted harp stops playing to lull the beast to sleep, as its main weakness was the inability to resist falling asleep to the sound of music. Same. So much like uh, Heracles, um, or no, I'm sorry, much like uh, Orpheus playing his lyre and his music. That's kind of where they got that Mm -hmm. from. In the movie, they just run away. Yeah, I'll get to that. In the film, the enchanted harp was also present and was playing, but the three of them escape down the trap door just as Fluffy wakes. There's no mention of a flute. Into the devil's snare. I know that movie too well. Mm -hmm. After Fluffy's duties were done and the stone was destroyed, Hagrid set Fluffy free in the Forbidden Forest. Why would you do that? Shortly thereafter, however, Dumbledore decided to arrange for Fluffy to be sent back to his native Greece, as he preferred to keep some of Hagrid's more ill-advised acquisitions away from the school. In 2019, Fluffy was suspected to have been involved in an incident with a taco truck. I'd fuck a taco truck up, too. Like, what? Not even a joke. Let me get some tacos. In the film, the line Greek chappie was replaced with Irish feller. Irish feller. Losing the original reference to, to the whole story. Screenwriter Steve Cloves did not know how the line got changed. Oh, and to make Fluffy appear more realistic, his heads were made to move independently and to each have their own personality. One was smart, one was alert, and one was sleepy. So if you watch the movie, <clears throat> I remember vaguely, I've seen this movie several times, but yeah, one one head's a little more just drowsy and out of it, and the other one's just like really locked into them. I thought that was interesting, a little uh, trivia uh, snippet to throw in there. That is all I got. On Cerberus. Feels like it's going to be a short episode. I don't think so. We talked quite a bit in length in the the beer section. I think it'll be, I think it'll be average length. All right. But it, but it's okay. Again, I I said we don't need our episodes uh, most of the, sometimes. So I just like how originally we were like, all right, or at least I was like an hour thirty minimum, two hours. Yeah. <laughs> but um. Sometimes I, I feel like long episodes, they kind of lose people. Other people, it just depends what you're into, you know? Mm-hmm. You have a question for me? I do. Go ahead. How are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm all right. Excellent. Cool. You have another question for me? No. <laughs> what did you think of the beer? Not what I was expecting. Not at all. Threw us for a loop. It's a very hoppy, balanced uh, IPA. No, I didn't hate anything about it. I just wish that there was more blood orange present. I agree. If you're going to try and like title it a blood yeah. orange ale, you need to have a little more blood orange. Like, exactly. The one that I sent you a picture of was from Michigan, the one that I tried yeah. that my dad bought. And that was definitely, you know, the taste of citrus. There was the taste of orange. You know what kind of beer it was? was it he still idea? has it. I'll find it for you. Okay. Like, I think they labeled it a blood orange ale. An ale. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I guess with this one, the hop kind of dominates. Um, you do get a little bit of the orange and the aroma and the aftertaste that you mentioned, you know, orange peel. Definitely, it, it could have come through more, and it could have been a consequence of the aging in the bottle. I bet if you have it on tap, it's much more refreshing, tastes like fruit. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. No no real serious complaints besides that. I was disappointed. Hmm. I feel that it was well-brewed. I'm not going to question, you know, Flying Dog's abilities in, you know, the brewing process. Yeah. Like, it's a, a drinkable beer. Um, the hops are, you know very overpowering in any taste of citrus or orange that there may have been Mm -hmm. and the fact that it's only in the smell and in the aftertaste that you get blood orange is Mm -hmm. kind of disappointing yeah like that's the selling point expecting sweetness and some tartness up front right so it's just kind of like really is this really a blood orange or is this just another hoppy ipa there's really nothing to like change it from like it doesn't distinguish itself from anything yeah i think i think if it had been labeled differently just as like a different kind of i would have felt differently about it no i'm saying if it was just a general american ipa maybe described differently it had no mention of blood orange at all i wouldn't have been able to pick out blood orange oh not at all i agree yeah yeah completely uh you could have marketed it as like just a regular IPA exactly. with a non-blood orange, blood orange taste, yeah. and it would have just been an IPA. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there is a there is some fruit to it, but it definitely could have been more upfront. Exactly, I agree. Um, easy to drink though. I'm not going to argue with that. It was very easy to drink, and I drink it very quickly. Yeah, smooth. Um, there are some you know IPAs that you have to like really work on because the hops are very overpowering. Yeah. This one very easy to drink. Um, if you got like a pack of it, I would say that I would have no problem drinking like the whole pack at some point, like spread out, obviously, because I'm not like tossing back sick packs anymore like I used to <laughs> back in the day. Back in the day. Yeah, well, I got four more beers that'll live in my fridge, and I'm I'm going to be happy to to drink this again in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I just wish Blood Orange was a little more there. I agree. We are on Facebook Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit is oh, where you can stay up to date. So interesting, since the last time we did this, you said, I know where to find us. Yeah, I mean, we'll mix it up every now and then. If you want to stay up to date with our episodes, you can follow us, like us, whatever us on those platforms. Kiss us. Kiss us. <laughs> Instagram, we post pictures of our beer and shout out the breweries and for their jobs. Well done. And then we're available on pretty much every popular podcast platform. Say that three times fast. Popular podcast platform. Popular podcast <laughs> platform. Popular podcast platform. If you like Spotify, if you like Google Podcasts, if you like Apple Podcasts, we're on all of them. So uh, let us know what you think. You can send us an email to beerandfearcast at gmail.com. Beerandfearcast at gmail.com. At yahoo.com. At hotmail.com. <laughs> it's just a gmail. And uh, that wraps this one up. We're going to record... A bonus episode, which will be released at the same time as this episode you're listening to. So once you're done listening to this, check out the bonus episode we got coming right after it. It's especially made for the month of June. I think you'll really like it. We got more to say. Stick around. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Have a good day.